is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? We're going through excuses that Christians use for not keeping the Ten Commandments. And again, often they will take their favorite texts, favorite scriptures that seem to say, hey, I don't have to keep the law of God. I don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. Uh, just, I told you before, but just recently I was reading something that said this, and I quote, No Christian is under the law of Moses. It ended when Jesus nailed it to the cross and faded away during the life of the apostles. Now, if you use some logic here, well, let's just, let's just ask this question. Why would any Christian not believe in keeping the Ten Commandments? You know, when I ask that question, that really has, that's a personal issue, and it has a lot to do with the way this Christian, small letter C, is living his life. Now, it's very easy to understand that if you're living your life outside the will of God, okay, what will? Well, let's just start with the Ten Commandments. If you're a liar, if you're committing adultery, if you're stealing, if you're, you know, we could go through the list. If you're breaking those laws, it's easy to see why you would want to believe that the law has been abolished, nailed to the cross, done away with. I mean, this is just a, this is a no-brainer. So let's go to the scripture today that we're going to look at and explain. Words of Jesus here, people will take this verse and say, aha, I've got the words of Jesus, you know, here. All right, let's take a look at what Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 17. He said, think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, it's interesting that the very thing Jesus says, don't think, in other words, don't think that I've come to destroy the law. The very thing Jesus says, don't think that, is the very thing that a lot of Christians are thinking. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Have you ever heard it? Uh, Jesus abolished the law. Jesus destroyed the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus nailed the law to his cross. Now, Jesus comes along and says, no, don't, don't you think that, don't let it enter your pea brain mind that I have come to destroy the law. And yet, we have whole theologies that are built around the premises, the lie, that Jesus came to do just that, to abolish the law. Interesting. Now, I think what, the way a lot of Christians read this is, is like this. I'm going to read it, and I'm going I'm to put it up here like a lot of Christians read it. Matthew 5 and verse 17. Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to destroy. Now, that, you know, is how a lot of Christians read it. Now, that's not what it says. The word is fulfilled. Now, what is that word? Let's, let's take the time to get your concordance out and look at what the word means. Remember, the original language was written in the Old Testament Hebrew, the New Testament Greek. And in order to understand the meaning sometimes, 
we have to go back and say, what was the original intent of the language? All right, the word uh, fulfill here, it means to fill up. It means to make full. It means fully preach, perfect, supply is what the word means. Thayer's definition of this word is very interesting. It means to obey as it should be. The word fulfill, what Thayer says, is to obey as it should be. Now think about that. That makes perfect sense because if Jesus had not obeyed the law as it should be, guess what? You and I wouldn't have a Savior. He had to obey it as it should be. So this is what Thayer says this definition means. The word fulfill means to obey as it should be, which was Jesus' intent when he said this. Now let me give you an example of what it means to fulfill. You know, people go around, well, Jesus fulfilled the law, and they really don't know what they're talking about when they say that. When they, when they say that, when a lot of Christians say, well, Jesus fulfilled the law, they're thinking destroyed somehow negated, somehow did away, somehow pushed it aside, whatever. Okay, so let's say we have a glass here that's half full. And we're going to fill it to the full. Jesus comes along and fills that law, the letter of the law that's only half full, and he's going to fill it to the brim, brim excuse me, to make it complete so that we really understand what it means to keep God's law. Now, I don't know why people don't do this, but Jesus, if we just skip down a few verses here, Jesus explains what it means to fulfill the law. Take a look at Matthew 5 and verse 21. He's going to explain, okay, what did he mean by, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus is going to explain it in great details. You have heard it that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But, but whosoever shall say, Thy fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Now consider this. Okay, we've got this glass that's half full, which represents the letter of the law. Don't kill. Now, you've never killed anybody, have you? You can honestly say you, you've kept that commandment. I've never killed anybody. Okay? So Jesus comes along and says, now we're going to take this glass that's only half full and we're going to fill it to the brim. And I say unto you, if you are angry with your brother without a cause, you're guilty. in other words, I don't get mad, I get even. I, I've met people that have held resentment all... They'll bring up stuff that has happened 10 years ago. How that they got offended about somebody. Somebody said something. And I'm thinking, that I'm, I'm trying to recollect when that happened. And it's like, well, that happened 10 years ago. And you're still, you're still gnawing on it. You're still dwelling on it. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever is angry can't let go of it. Cannot let go of it. Without a cause shall be guilty in hell, of hellfire. All right, Jesus continues on to explain what it means, what he meant by fulfill the law. I've not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. What did Jesus mean? Let's keep reading. Jesus explains what it means. All right, Matthew 5 and verse 27. You have heard it said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. 
But I say unto you that whosoever looks upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Okay, we've got this glass that's half full, the letter of the law. Don't commit adultery, the seventh commandment. Okay, hopefully you can say, I've never committed adultery on my wife. I've never cheated on her. God bless you, you know. I, but you, hopefully you can say that. And then Jesus said, but I say unto you, that whosoever looks, we're going to fill this law completely full. Whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her is guilty of committing adultery. Now let me ask you a question here. Which is more binding? The letter of the law or the spirit of the law? Which is more binding? The letter or Jesus' explanation of what it means to fulfill the law? I mean, see, the reason I bring this up is I've had all kinds of Christians say to me, you know, well, I, you know, we Christians, we don't keep the letter of the law. We keep the spirit of the law. Well, let me tell you something. The letter is a cakewalk. <laughs> it is the spirit. It is Jesus' explanation of what it means to obey the law as it should be, to fulfill the law. That's what gets us in big trouble. The letter, huh, that's nothing. It's the spirit that's tough that we struggle with. Now, I've had a lot of men say, well, look, all men do this. You know, they think the wrong thoughts. They, they have yielded to temptation in this area of lusting after women, undressing women in their mind. And yeah, I understand that. I agree with you on that. But you see, Jesus, what Jesus is asking us to do, he's asking us not to do what comes natural. You see, what comes natural is just to let your mind go. That's what comes natural. Jesus is asking us to do an unnatural thing, something that is supernatural. The most natural thing in the world is to hold, hold, to be angry because someone has done you wrong. And in your mind, just destroy that person in, in your mind that you're angry at. That's the most, nat that comes natural, okay? The most natural thing in the world is to undress a woman in your mind, a beautiful woman, a sexy woman, whatever, you know, that comes natural. But Jesus comes along and said, no, 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 I want you to do not what comes natural, but I want you to do unnatural acts. And it it's, I want you to do something that is supernatural. And it takes supernatural power. It will take you supernatural power to do this. What Jesus is saying is this, all of our sins originate in the mind. And the body, the body, follows pursuit. But all sin originates here. I mean, think of it, don't, don't, don't kid yourself. A man is not driving down the road and all of a sudden he sees this beautiful woman and all of a sudden he just pulls off the road and they hook up. He has an affair. That's not the way it works. No, 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 long before a man ever has an affair, he's been having it up here, years. Sometimes years, dwelling, thinking, not controlling between what is between his ears, which often isn't much, okay? And what, I tell you what's really sad, is when you hear, you know, like an old elderly couple, people that have been married for 30, maybe 40 years, and then you hear a horrible story that the man cheated on her in their old age. That is so pitiful. And let me tell you what happens in those cases. What happens is this, he never got the victory up here. He never got the victory. And it, that, that went on and on and on until the day came when the body followed pursuit of what was going on up here. What Jesus is saying is this. 
our minds will either deliver us or destroy us in the end. You can put that in your pipe and smoke it. Our minds will either deliver us or destroy us in the end. I have not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law, to obey it as it should be, to fill up, fulfill, to full, to make full, perfection, to, to fully preach, to supply, is what the word means. Now question, did Jesus obey the law as it should be so that we don't have to? Does that make any sense? Okay, Jesus, Jesus obeyed the law as it should be so that I don't have to. Well, that's just abject stupidity right there. I mean, there's no other way, no nice way of putting that one. Well, of course not. Of course not. Now, how can you obey the law as it should be? Well, I'll tell you how you can do that. John 14 and verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Man, this verse is so powerful, so very powerful. So you're, you're sitting at the computer and you're thinking about looking at internet pornography. Okay, you can't go there because of the power source living on the inside of you. And, and the last thing you want is for that power source, the father and the son living on the inside, the last thing you want is for them to abandon ship. Because if they abandon ship, your butt is going to sink. And that's the last thing you want is for them to abandon your ship, your tabernacle, your house. Okay. We will love him, love him, father and his son says, and we will make our abode inside of him. That's true Christianity right there. I'll tell you that. First Corinthians 3 and verse 16 says this. And this is ought to make your hair stand straight up on your head, this verse. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? That is, if you have it, if you have received it through baptism and laying on of hands to receive the spirit of God. If you repented of your sins, unconditional surrender of the breaking of God's law, which includes the fourth commandment. If you've done that, okay, your body is the temple of God and the spirit dwells in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So how do you get the Father and the Son living on the inside of you so that you can have this supernatural power to do unnatural things? Not to do what comes natural. We're good at doing what comes natural. That's what gets us in trouble. But how can you have the Father and the Son living on the inside so, so that you can have this supernatural power? Well, I want to offer you couple publications here. I didn't have the other one. I didn't bring the other one with me. But, but should you be baptized and how to receive the Spirit of God? You need to order that and that will tell you how you can get the two, Father and Son, living on the inside of you. Now, if you're not interested in that, look, if, you're, if you want to settle for a life of defeat, you want to keep just doing things like you've been doing, then, then don't, don't order it. But if you're, if you're sincere, order this material. I'll send it to you free of charge. Matthew 5 and verse 17. Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy but to fulfill. And the word fulfill means to obey as it should be. Now let's continue on. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle 
shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now I want you to do me a favor. Go outside, look up at the sky and ask yourself, has the heavens passed? Should be a yes or no answer. Second thing I want you to do is go outside and look down at the ground that you're standing on and ask the question, has the earth passed? Should be a yes or no answer. What, did that, what does that tell you? That tells you that nothing has passed from the law of God. Now let's read this from the revised version uh, of the Bible here. Same verse. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle, and shall in no wise pass away from the law, till all things be accomplished. What do you think God wants to accomplish when it comes to his law? Do you think God's greatest agenda when he gave the Ten Commandments was to simply abolish the law? Is that what he, he just wanted to abolish it, you know? A God that always flip-flops, you know, just back and forth, back and forth. He gives law and he takes them away and, and destroys them. I mean, what was God's agenda when he gave us the Ten Commandments? I mean, imagine the father and the son talking. And the father says, now, son, I want you to go down there and I want you to die for these rebellious people. I want you to die for their sins, which is the breaking of God's law. And then once you die for their sins, which is the breaking of God's law, I'm going to abolish the law that defines what sin is. And the, and, and the son sort of looks at the father, scratches his head and says, now, 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 wait a minute. Why don't we just abolish the law to, to begin with? And that way I won't have to go down there and die for their sin, their law breaking. Wouldn't that make much better sense? Do you think God's greatest agenda when, it, when he gave the Ten Commandments was simply to abolish the law? To abolish, to nail it to his cross, to, you know, to do away with all law? Doesn't make any sense. What do you think God wants to accomplish when it comes to his law? Well, the Bible actually answers that question if you're big enough to receive it. Hebrews 10 and verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. You see, before the, the law of God was written on tables of stone, tablets of stone, now God is going to write his law in our hearts and our minds. The new covenant is about where the law of God is going to be written. It's about a spiritual operation that God is doing on mankind. God knows that man's heart is rebellious, sinful, and he also knows that a lot of religious people like to develop theology so they can weasel out from under God's law. But what God is really doing is he's doing a spiritual operation of softening up our heart, taking away the stony heart, and giving us a fleshly heart, a heart where his law motivates and drives our lives that we live by the law of God. We, live by, we incorporate into our character the very nature and morality of God, which is the Ten Commandments. That's what God is doing. It's a spiritual operation God is doing. It's called conversion. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen when you say, you raise your hand, oh, I invite Jesus into my heart. No, it's not going to happen that day. It's going to take a lifetime for God to work on you, to soften up your rebellious heart, and to get you to submit to, 
to what you really know is right to begin with, and that is his law, but getting us to submit to that. But I'll tell you something. You'll never submit to the law of God as long as you've got a theology that says the law's been abolished, been nailed to the cross, it's been done away with. You will never be able to even submit to the law until you accept his authority in your life, that God has a right to define for you what he wants you to do and to define for you what mor true morality is. A lot of people make up their own morality. Well, I'll do this if I want to. I'll forgive my neighbor if I want to. I'll love my neighbor if I want to, as long as he treats me good. You know? And I'll, I'll be faithful to my wife as long as no great temptation comes along. We like to make up our own morality, you see. We don't like God defining as the final authority what morality truly is. You see, God is creating a new creature in Christ. And the law of God is so critical and so important when it comes to doing just that. Revelation 22 and verse 12 says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. Now, wait a minute. Works? What works? How many times have I heard, not of works, lest any man should boast, you don't want to put forth any effort to do anything. You sure don't want to obey God's law. Not a, that would be works. How many times have you heard that? And preachers, they will stop at that verse every time. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And they won't continue to read the Bible. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Again, I talk about this spiritual operation that God is, is performing on mankind. It's a work of, 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 it's his workmanship, and we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And I tell you, the law of God, the Ten Commandments, defines what morality is and what those good works are. They really do. They're not the only good works, but I tell you, every good work that you do is going to incorporate the Ten Commandments. They really are. No matter what you set your hand to do, the Ten Commandments will be incorporated into those good works. Revelation 22 and verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right, that they may have right, to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. I mean, what commandments? I thought all those commandments had been nailed to the cross. I thought they had all been done away with. I mean, who do you think Jesus is talking to when you have this group of people that Jesus explained, you know, Lord, we've done all these wonderful works. We've prophesied inspired preaching in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. You know, we've had soup kitchens to feed the poor. We have community service, and our church is always doing something good for the community. And Jesus comes along and says, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. Do you realize that's what he says? The word in the King James is iniquity, but it just means lawlessness. He accuses them of having a lawless theology. Where might I hear about a lawless theology? Well, just tune in to mainstream churchianity. Law's been abolished, been nailed to the cross, been done away with, been destroyed, been fulfilled. Take your pick.
and you will hear a lawless theology. And Jesus comes along and says, look, I never, you did a lot of wonderful things. You did a lot of good community service. You cast out devils. You did all this wonderful preaching. But you had a lawless theology, and I don't know you. You better get your theology, theology right. You better check into your church. You better ask, preacher man, preacher boy, what do you believe about the law of God, the Ten Commandments? And if you hear the words uttered, they've been abolished, fulfilled, nailed to the cross, you're in a counterfeit church. You're in a counterfeit church and Jesus is going to say to you, I never knew you because you had a lawless theology. Well, I'm David Freeman with, is that really in the Bible? Reminding you what you think is in the Bible is not. Jesus did not come to destroy, to do away with, to nail to the cross, the Ten Commandments. And that's what's really in your Bible. Was there something wrong with the Ten Commandments? Were they weak legislation in the first place? Or did they somehow become obsolete with the passage of time? If, as some suppose, the time came for the Ten Commandments to be abolished, there must have been a reason for it. Order your free copy of Which of the Ten Commandments Did Jesus Repeal? Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com. This nation needs to repent. But repent of what? What is sin? Few people, in fact, few religious people, understand the definition of sin. As a nation, we need not only to repent, but we need to have the experience of repentance. Your religion is not enough. Too much confidence in religion can be the downfall of a nation. What is real religion? What is real repentance? Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com.